millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on the station that's raising the game for women's football. TalkSport 2. Good evening, welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was a snowy Sunday for much of the south of England, which meant quite a few postponed fixtures, but we did still get three games this weekend as Manchester United broke down Birmingham to return to the top of the table. Feet from Lauren James, delivery across the edge of the six-yard box, and just like that, United in for the first of the game. Only just kicked off in the second half, and it's Leah Goldson again for Manchester United. 150. Manchester City's captain caps off a record day with two goals, including a spectacular free kick. It's Horton who takes it. And it's in. What a finish. And what an afternoon it is for Steph Horton. The Lionesses are in safe hands after Norwegian legend Hegger Risa takes the interim England manager position after Phil Neville's departure. Get the players to be more prepared and England has an experienced team but still a few young players coming up so I feel like uh, this will be a good opportunity. All that, plus a look at England's new interim manager and some of the movements in the January transfer window as well as all the results from the Championship. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, happy Monday or whatever day it is you're listening if you're listening on the podcast have a couple of cracking guests for you today. Uh, it's a very warm welcome uh, to Fern Whelan, former Brighton, Liverpool and Everton defender. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Me too. Uh, Rich Laverty, lovely to have you back. Women's football writer and media officer at Sheffield United Women. What have you been up to? Been on the South Coast this weekend, Faye. Um, one of the few games that actually was was on. We were fortunate that the weather kind of held out down in Lewis. So, um yeah, it was. It worked out well for us, obviously, whilst there was a lot of other grounds covered in snow. 
Excellent. Well, we'll go into the championship results later on in the show so you can tell us all, all about it. But I want to start with the, the breaking news that we heard earlier on, that Aston Villa have announced the former Birmingham City women's manager, Marcus Bignot, as their interim manager until the end of the season. Now, this caused a little bit of a stir earlier on um, in, the, in the Twitter sphere. Everyone a little bit confused as there'd been no news at all stating that they'd parted company with head coach Gemma Davis, and, and they haven't. Uh, she's going to continue in her role as head coach, but Bignot will lead on team selection tactics and training. He'll just be supported by the current staff. It seems to me, Fern, that they've seen a little bit of promise in Gemma Davis, youngest coach in the WSL. She's obviously inexperienced at this level, uh, but perhaps thought she maybe needed a bit of a mentor in her first season in the WSL. So they've kept her on. How did you view it? Yeah, I think, well, exactly like that. I think, you know, when the announcement first came out, I think everyone was a little bit confused. Will she stay? How will her role look? And I think, you know, Annie's kind of put on Twitter that they're looking to tap into Marcus's experience, you know, at a top level. He was with Birmingham Ladies for seven years. So you can see why they've done it at this point in the season. You know, a little bit of confusion to start off with, but actually where they are, you know, they're not, not too far from the bottom of the league. They want to kind of try, try to stay in the league as much as they possibly can. So... They've given, obviously, the confidence to Gemma Davies that they do want her as part of the team. They just want her to learn a little bit more along with the coaching staff. Um, and that's the way I saw it, was that they're going to try and tap into as much experience from him as possible to help them remain in the league. Mm, and he's got loads of experience, hasn't he, Rich? He's 46 years old now, and he was a bit of a, a revolutionary, if you like, um, when he joined Birmingham City back in 1998. Um, he was only 24, so he's kind of got, you know, he knows what it's like to be a young manager um, in women's football. Obviously, a very, very different era back then for, for the game, but he is vastly experienced, and that's going to be key. It is, and I think everyone, like you say, was a little bit surprised when we saw it, but I think the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. They haven't got rid of Gemma, like you said. She's a very promising, young, up-and-coming coach. She's done a great job over the last few years, and you know she can still do that job, still get on the grass, still coach the players, but have someone to lean on, to learn from, and Someone who, you know, as Enya Luko said this morning, the book now stops with Marcus, you know, the, the pressure is kind of off Gemma. She can go back to doing what she's done so well the last few years. And, and Aston Villa are growing quick, you know, last year they were in the championship. We were competing with them um, at Sheffield United and now they're signing, you know, World Cup winners, you know, one of the best players in Asia. So it's been a massive growth. And, and like you said, Marcus is very experienced. You know, he's coached in the women's game at the very top. He's coached you know, teams to FA Cups, to FA Cup finals, to, to title challenges. So I think it's 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 a no-lose for Aston Villa, really. Maybe it did seem strange at the time, but like I said, I think the more you actually think about it, I think it actually makes perfect sense for everybody involved. Mm, we'll talk about Mana Iwabuchi and her fantastic uh, debut for Aston Villa at the weekend in that two-all draw against Reading. Um, but a little bit more about Marcus Bignot because uh, he now works in, in, in the men's game. He's actually going to keep his his job as joint manager of National League North Club, uh, Geisley. Um, obviously, he's, he's with Villa until the end of the season. We don't quite know whether... Another manager will come in at the end of the season and Gemma Davis will work under them or whether four months is is enough time for for him to, to 
help round off, if you like, um, the, the rough diamond that is Gemma Davis Fern? Yeah, I think obviously it's, you know, it's, it's an unknown as it is for everyone because the news has only just came out what, what the next steps will be. Whether he's obviously he's interim because he's got two other roles going on at the moment and he, you know, he can't take on too much. Whether he'll be looking to eventually stay in the post and, you know, take the take the rein a little bit more after this season, depending on where they finish. It's, you know, it's anybody's guess as to what's going to happen. I think ideally Gemma um, would, like, would like to stay on and would like to lead the team and hopefully take on the experiences she's managed to learn from him over the next couple of months. Um, as you say, into next season to help Villa stay in the league and then to help them push on even more. I'm sure that, you know, they've got some more signings lined up potentially um, and going forward for next season, I'm sure there'll be even more conversations for how do they better the team? How do they move on to the next level because of the investment that's gone into Aston Villa already? And, and I tell you how I looked at it, Rich. I, I, I thought it was actually, <laughs> when, when you look at what's happened uh, today at Chelsea Football Club with Frank Lampard going, in football, you know, managers just are not given time a, lo a lot of the time, are they? I know that it's a results business. I understand that. And the more and more women's football grows, uh, that follows the same lead. However, it feels really... Um, What's the word I'm trying to look for? Supportive and um, clever um, and future-proofing for, for Aston Villa to actually think, no, we've got a great coach here, but we need these results at the moment. And I thought to myself, this is a club that's really going places if they're looking that far forward. Yeah, and look, I think we spoke about this earlier in the season when we had the 24-hour the, the period where Matt Beard... And obviously, Juan Carlos Morris and, and Karen Hills lost their jobs at, at West Ham and Tottenham. And it's becoming more ruthless because there's more on the line now. Aston Villa put a lot into it last season to go from a team the year before that was losing 12-0 on the opening day to Manchester United to you know, getting promoted last season. They put a lot into that in the championship last season to get themselves into the position they are now to be a WSL team, to challenge the top side to sign some, you know, incredibly good players and, you know, they don't want to go straight back down, you know, and they're down there, obviously Bristol are struggling and, you know, Aston Villa may, may have stayed up with Gemma, you know, they may stay up anyway, they may not, we don't know yet, but I think you're right, you know, I think it, a couple of years ago, would this decision have been made? Probably not, because I think there is more pressure now, there is more scrutiny from fans, from media, for, in the sport as a whole and, you know, we're seeing more and more managers now under pressure, you know, down the bottom half of the league. You know, half those teams down there have changed their manager this season. So, but I think Aston Villa have been sensible because they haven't just cast aside a good young coach. And, you know, we do see in the women's game, sometimes once you're out, it's very difficult to get back in. So the fact that Gemma is still connected there is great for her. It's great for Aston Villa. And yeah, look, if it works out and Aston Villa stay up and they get some results... People are going to say it's a it's an inspired move. Yeah, and he's actually he's an interesting uh, character because he he's part of the um, elite pathway uh, coaching placement scheme that the FA have, and he's currently working with the England under 19s. And he was a real pioneer. Uh, back in 98 when he took over at Birmingham, really shaking up the youth system as well. So is this perhaps a nod to what Villa are thinking in, in the future, that academy players and, and growing their own talent is is the way forward, Fern? Yeah, and I was just about to add, obviously, to, to Rich's last point as well. 
it's kind of a similar situation in terms of when I first signed at Brighton, I signed under Amy Merricks when she was first there and they, you know, she's a, another good, really young coach. But for her to take the reins, to take obviously a team straight into WSL and WSL 1 at the time, they then obviously appointed Hope Powell and Amy's become her kind of assist, assistant. She's learned underneath her as well. Um, so I think, you know, it, it does like pave the way for, for quite an important transition for these young managers to learn off uh, more experienced. But yeah, in terms of, you know, Marcus and what, what he can bring, if he's coaching at the under-19 level, he's obviously got experience with youth. And after, I think I know from any developing well from under-19s all the way through into seniors, she's, she's seen what it's like to develop as a, as a young player. And there's a lot of young players in that squad who will be looking to, you know, to do the same, learn from more experienced player. And it's really important that that they can get that blend between the two, between youth and between experience. So, you know, looking at the signing of Iwabuchi and bringing her in, it's great and it's experience, but then it's about developing the younger players at the same time and getting that real good blend um, and not just throwing too much at it in terms of money and experience and that type of thing. You want to help these players develop and learn as much as possible. And that's the kind of foresight you get when you sign a sporting director like any Aluko, isn't it? For sure. Uh, so the club's second from bottom in the WSL. Uh, two wins from their opening 10 matches. Um, I mean, they got a draw against Reading. We, we've, we've mentioned um, Maya Uobuchi a, f- a few times now. So let's talk about that game, shall we? Because actually, I thought, you know, defensively, they did very well, Aston Villa, because Reading threw everything uh, at them. Perhaps should have been well clear in, in the first half, but it was all about uh, the Japanese sensation. Uh, she only joined Villa uh, this month. First start for the club and she gets an assist and a goal and they came from behind twice. That's an impressive kind of debut fan <laughs> yeah it was I mean you know watching her play she looks so clever on the ball she's she's obviously a very experienced player and she was providing that real good link-up play um, between her and the front three which is obviously what um, Villa have kind of been missing a little bit you know so I think for her to come on and get an assist and a goal in that debut um, is brilliant and they'll be looking for her to do that going forward for them in the games to come it's a it's a huge point, you know, right at the end of the game um, against the Red side who, you know, have took points off big teams this year. So, but I think it's obviously their inconsistency, um, which Villa kind of, you know, capitalised on in that, and they they did really well. It was a great, you know, a great debut from here. It was a, a really clever worked free kick, which I don't think anyone was expecting it to be drilled along the floor, um, and for her to tap in and score score a goal, and it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, and the second one came in really poor conditions. You have to really feel for Grace Maloney in the Reading goal because the snow was coming down quite quite heavily and it was a bit of a goal-mouse scramble, um, uh, Diana Silva, uh, with the goal in the end. It leaves Villa level with West Ham on seven points. They're both five points ahead of Bristol City, who are at the bottom. So, I mean, it's looking, um, you know, like a, a few more points on the board will start to give them a little bit more confidence and certainly that point the other day uh, will do a, a, as well um, but you know interesting times for sure at, uh, at Aston Villa and um, yeah we look forward to seeing what Marcus Bignot can do uh, right this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with Fern Whelan, Faker Others and Rich Laverty uh, coming up uh, we will bring you more action from the Barclays FAWSL <laughs> 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Baker Rothers, former Brighton defender Fern Whelan and women's football writer Rich Laverty. Now, don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So download it today and go to our podcast section. Uh, now then, there were quite a few big names transfers this past week uh, let's start with the one that excited everybody particularly Everton fans the wonderful uh, Jill Scott uh, on loan from Manchester City until the end of the season the England midfielder uh, spent seven years at Everton left back in 2013 I personally um, firm wheel and I'm very excited about this one because Everton had a little blip uh, you know they had a number of injuries and, and some postponements and uh, you know, a little, a little bit of a, a bump in the road. But I think with Jill Scott linking up with the likes of Lucy Graham and Izzy Christensen and Valerie Govan back from injury, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, and I think everybody should be. You know, Jill's a fantastic player and an unbelievable sign and for Everton for the second half of the season, to be honest. And as you say, they've now got Valerie Govan back as well. And that's what they've been lacking for the last couple of games is that goal scoring edge. So... To have Jill on board with the experience she brings, you know, not only on the pitch but off the pitch to those players around her that are really going to look up to her. Um, and, you know, she's won, she's won a lot at City as well. So she's got that winning mentality um, to instill that within the girls. She's obviously technically a very good player and brings a lot of experience to the team. Um, and I think, you know, going forward for the rest of the season, it's really exciting to see what, you know, what Everton, Everton can do and if they can really start the, the second half of the season like they did the first half of the season, it'll be brilliant to see. Mm, and she's clearly got the Olympics in mind and the upcoming home Euros, which, you know, you'd hope she'd be able to be fit. Obviously, she's getting getting older and knows her time, you know, to retire is not that far away, Rich. So she probably has an eye on that and that's what's prompted this move. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised Manchester City let her go, in a way. I suppose she's probably earned that kind of loyalty over the years with, with what she's given to Manchester City, but obviously with a few players out and the, the Americans obviously on camp at the moment, you know, she'd actually played the last few games for Manchester mm. City. So, um, But it's a great move for her, you know, she does need guaranteed game time and, and when everybody's been fit at Manchester City and available, it hasn't really been there this season, I think, you know, she can still offer a lot on the pitch. We've we've seen that in the last few games for Man City, you know, she can still contribute. So, and I think her experience will be important. You know, Everton are trying to get back towards where they were when Jill was there first time around, you know, when they were title challengers and they were reaching cup finals. And, you know, that's the, that's the aspiration for that team now. But there's a lot of young players there. And, you know, I'm sure the, the insight, and experience that Jill can offer off the pitch is going to be as invaluable as what happens on it because she's only going to be there a few months. She's got an 18-month deal at Man City as a player coach, so you'd expect her to be back in the summer. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it works for her because she's going to play and like you said, she's probably got eyes on Tokyo and for Everton to have that experience and quality on and off the pitch, it was a no-brainer. Mm. Uh, yeah, shame we didn't get to see her take her bow uh, against... Spurs at the weekend, but that game, one of the postponements. Um, Maria torres Dottier left Chelsea to go uh, to Manchester United. She was an unused sub uh, for the game against Birmingham. Um, I mean, again, I, I feel as if the Olympics is very much in a lot of these players' uh, minds and the Norwegian international uh, will have wanted more game time, Fern. 
Yeah, definitely. And you can't you can't blame them for doing it. I think at this point in the season, you know, the the Olympics is the pinnacle of a player's career, so they're going to want to go and get as much game time as possible. And for Man United, it's it's an unbelievable sign. And for them to have um, Thoris Dottier there, she's you know she brings a whole lot of experience. Um, and obviously strength in that defence as well. So for her to go to Man United, it, it's going to be really interesting to see because she obviously bolters the, the already strong squad that they've already got. So it'll be interesting to see where she fits in. Um, but as you say, she's obviously been promised some sort of game time. And, you know, if the performance has come, then she'll be within the squad and then helping them push towards the title for this season. Mm, young England defender Abby McManus as well has gone to Spurs on loan from, from Manchester United and again needs more game time. Interesting that uh, the former England assistant Rianne Skinner has, has taken her, Rich. Yeah, again, like you say, a little bit of a ripple effect. All these players trying to get game time now um, until the end of the season. And, and again, another no-brainer really because Abby is you know vastly experienced now. She's played for two top clubs She's always been a regular. She's very versatile. You know, she can play all across that back line. She's always a solid player. You know, doesn't do anything overly spectacular, but doesn't often make mistakes. You know, she, she's a cons, consistent presence. And, you know, you don't be as big a part of, of the Manchester City team that she was and, and then go to Manchester United if you're not a good player. So for Tottenham, I think it's a really smart piece of business. If they can get her permanently, even better, because, you know, they've done some good business recently tying obviously Alana Kennedy and Shalina Zadorsky down to permanent deals so I think Tottenham have got a bright future if they can start picking up players of that calibre and build a solid team under a good young coach like you said in Rian I think Tottenham uh, Tottenham are a team to watch and, and Abby you know like you say she's going to play every week so it's great for her and yeah there's a few players now like you say are just eyeing up Tokyo and, and hopefully fingers crossed it happens but that's what they're all looking to at the moment. Exactly. Well, fingers crossed we get no more postponements and we actually get to see these players in action. It did make a welcome change to have postponements uh, due to the weather, um, but it did leave us with just three FAWSL matches to dissect and here's how they played out. Fishlock lurking on the edge of the area. A lot of space here for Fishlock. Decent effort found away by Vice and, and Harris James on the rebound has scored. Now Iwabuchi into Hales. Returns it to Iwabuchi. Across to Silva, and it's in! A goal and now an assist for Irabuchi on her full debut in the Women's Super League. And it's Diana Silva with her first Women's Super League goal for Aston Villa, who has turned in to make it 2-2. Ever feed from Lauren James, delivery across the edge of the six-yard box, and just like that, United in for the first of the game. Only just kicked off in the second half, and it's Leah Goldson again for Manchester United. It's Horton who takes it, and it's in. What a finish, and what an afternoon it is for Steph Horton. This could be the goal of the game, the way they've worked the ball here. It's Kelly. Well, we've seen some brilliant finishes in this match so far. It's the goal that she deserves after her earlier assists. Here comes Kelly, Kelly's cross, it's seven. And for the second week running, Manchester City scores seven goals in the WSL. I've always felt that it's taken a little bit of time for us to, to get our, our build-up play right, but I've, I've always felt comfortable that we are usually arriving in the final third in good control. 
it was just that when we got there in certain moments, like against Brighton earlier on in the season, that the decision making was slightly off or players weren't in the right position. And I think it takes some time, you know, with a new coach and new ideas. And I think some of our play over recent weeks and, and certainly in the build up to Christmas has been uh, has been great. And, and that will finish on those chances. That was Manchester City head coach Gareth Taylor talking there. We'll get to City's 7-1 demolition of Brighton uh, shortly. Uh, sorry, Fern. Uh, Manchester United 2, Birmingham City nil though. Birmingham defended well in the first half. Uh, another top performance from Hannah Hampton as well. I mean, we've talked about um, Team GB and the Olympics coming up. Hannah Hampton has the best save percentage in the WSL and surely uh, should be one of the one of the goalkeepers being taken out to, to Tokyo on that kind of form. Uh, United's pressure did eventually pay off. They scored within 14 seconds of the restart through Leah Galton. Uh, Lauren James with the delivery there. Uh, it was absolutely perfect from the right-hand side so she could turn it in from close range and then Ella Toon added a second for United in off the post uh, with 10 minutes to go. 23 attempts to one for Birmingham is what Manchester United had. They're so dominant, Fern, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. And I think, you know, Birmingham did really well in to, to withstand that pressure. As you say, Hannah Hampton made some unbelievable saves uh, to keep it to nil-nil at half-time. You know, Birmingham will have been absolutely buzzing to go in at half-time and be nil-nil after all the chances Man United were having. Um, you know, Carla Ward, as she was saying, they were defensively well organised in that first half and Man United had such a, a strong side out as well and, you know, it just takes a little bit of magic from Lauren James to just pull something out of completely nothing, really. Um, and then Leah Galton does really well to, you know, to assist and show why she got December's Player of the Month. Um, but, you know, the, Man United looked really strong and really direct and, yeah, probably would have scored more if it wasn't for Hannah Hampton in goal of that top spot at the moment. I know Chelsea didn't play this weekend, Rich, but, you know, are they going to push Chelsea all the way? I think at this point, when you get to the end of January and, and you're as high up as Manchester United are, you have to, you know, say they can go all the way. Obviously, Chelsea do have those games in hand, but it's not as simple, you know, that they're scheduled at the moment. They could definitely have done without the postponement at Bristol at the weekend because they're scheduled with Conti Cup, uh, Champions League, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the FA Cup, but their schedule is really, you know, it's closing up at the moment. But they've got a big squad and, and they've got a lot of quality. So I still think Chelsea are the favourites and, and they showed their class last week against United. Um, you know, it could have been more than the 2-1, but, you know, United have been great. You know, they, the question mark at the start of the season was, could they score the goals? You know, that's what they were lacking Last season, Casey, as you would have expected as a defender, has organised them very well. They were very organised last season, but they just didn't have that cutting edge up top. And I think, you know, bringing in obviously Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, you know, everyone got excited about that. But I think the improvement and the consistency now of Leah Galton, of Ella Toon, of Lauren James, that's been the big difference. You know, Leah's probably been one of, if not their star of the season, Ella has consistently chipped in with goals and, you know, the goal Leah scored yesterday was very, very similar to the goal she scored against Chelsea on the opening day. She just stole in behind the defender. She's so good at it. She's fast. She's got good movement. She can finish. She's got a bit of everything and, and she's really, really shone through this season. And yeah, look, they can go all the way. It's not going to be easy. Those four teams at the moment, all of them are playing well, you know, in different 
circumstances, Arsenal have had a little bit of a, a dip, but one of them's going to miss out on Champions League football, and, and it's really hard to say who it's going to be. You know, United and Chelsea have been up there the whole season, but you look at where Man City are now, they looked out of it, you know, nearer the start of the season, and now they're five points off the top. They've got a game in hand, and they, you know, they've still got a couple of key games to play, but at home, where they're very, very good. So, you know, it's going to be very, very tight. I wouldn't like to predict who's going to win the league or make those Champions League spots at the moment because every game now is going to be crucial and with schedules tightening, I think it's going to be a very exciting end to the season. Yeah, definitely. And Manchester City are not le- not letting go of that grip and that desperation uh, to qualify for the Champions League uh, again. It was a dominant display from them. Uh, Brighton won Manchester City seven, back-to-back seven goal games for Gareth Taylor's side. They controlled the game from the first minute, Fern. Listen, from a Brighton perspective, how disappointed will Hope Powell be with that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think she will be very disappointed, to be honest, to can concede seven goals after taking a point from them at the start of the season I think will be really disappointing and in the manner in which they did it um you know there's no taking away from Man City they they were absolutely unbelievable yesterday and I think you know City of old maybe if they score a couple they know they've won they take their foot off the gas whereas yesterday there was just there was no taking the foot off the gas they wanted more and they wanted more obviously got that that goal difference in mind but Hope sets their teams up to play, you know, to be hard to beat first and foremost. And I think obviously they weren't yesterday and that'll probably be where the disappointment comes in to start with to, you know, there's a couple of sloppy goals, obviously a couple were set pieces um, and, you know, just getting carved open a little bit too easy where some of the goals maybe were a bit more preventable. Uh, so I think she will be disappointed in, in a way that they were conceded, but obviously credit to Man City for the for the way in which they were so they were so clinical yesterday and so direct going forward. A brace apiece as well. That fantastic free kick from Steph Horton on her 150th WSL appearance. That's a league record and on her birthday as well. I love it when all the anniversaries come together because it was also the seven-year anniversary of City's relaunch. Uh, Three assists and a goal for Chloe Kelly as well. Can't miss that out. She's been a revelation this season uh, for Manchester City. Uh, But they are just so dominant and broke another record, Rich, as well. Uh, Set the record for the most successful passes in a WSL match with 810. Uh, City's men hold the Premier League record for 942 set back in uh, 2018. And, and as you said, you know, they go third, a point ahead of Arsenal. They're starting to really click again at the moment and they're desperate to finish in those Champions League spots. Yeah, I think they will as well. I think Arsenal have stagnated a little bit. I think Man City, like you said, the perfect word there is they've clicked they drew with Brighton at home earlier in the season and now they've gone and put seven past them with a few key players missing. They've got goals coming from all around the team. They're playing good football. You know, even against Chelsea midweek, they, they looked good. You know, they looked threatening against, you know, one of the best teams in Europe. So I think Gareth Taylor will be really happy and I, I think they might fall short for the title, but I, I do think they'll qualify for the Champions League. And Steph Horton on her 150th WSL appearance. We couldn't not hear from the Manchester City and Lionesses captain, could we? Here she is. Yeah, massively proud. I think. Um, I think obviously remembering the first game um, in the WSL to now, it's come such a long way, and to be a part of women's football and how much it's grown, but also to 
represent two amazing clubs in Arsenal and Man City. It's uh, it is a real honour and um, to have played that many games and to be the first person. Yeah, it's a special moment. It's definitely up there, but hopefully there's a lot more to come. And Fern, what um, from a player's point of view, uh, what kind of achievement is that? She's been just absolutely fantastic for women's football, Steph Horton. Still is, by the way. I'm not retiring her, by the way. Uh, but what an achievement. What an unbelievable achievement. You know, I've played, played alongside Steph before and she's a, she's a great player, you know, a great advocate for the women's game. Um, the experience she brings to the, you know, to the, obviously to the Man City side, to the England side. Um, and just what she's done for the game in general, you know, her, the way she plays the game, she's so calm, she's so composed and not only does she play for herself, she plays for the rest of the team. So it's a, you know, it's a great credit to her for getting to 150 games and um, for doing it for the first time, you know, ever in the league as well. It couldn't have gone to, to a more deserving player. Um, so, yeah, well done to Steph, really. She's, she's done an unbelievable job there. Yeah, she certainly has. Actually, I saw on on, on uh, social media earlier on somebody had asked uh, Steph what the dressing room was like without Jill Scott in it, whether it was quieter or not. And she just laughed and said, well, it's tidier. <laughs> We've heard that quite a few times uh, about Jill Scott. Right. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Fern Whelan and Rich Laverty. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, Coming up on the only dedicated national radio show for women's football, we'll find out more about the new interim manager of the Lionesses, Hegarisa. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, alongside former Brighton defender Fern Whelan 
and Rich Laverty, women's football writer. Now then, we brought you the news here on Women's Football Weekly last Monday that Phil Neville uh, was leaving the job and we told you that we would find out in the next couple of days who would be stepping into his shoes in an interim basis. And then on the Tuesday slash Wednesday, we were told that Heger Risa, uh, the amazing former Norway international who retired uh, back in 2004 as the most capped player of all time for both the men and women of Norway. World Cup winner, European champion, Olympic gold medalist as well. She's also been working as a coach within the USA national team setup and is taking interim charge of at least the February camp. Uh, what was your first reaction, Fern Whelan, when you heard uh, this news? Because she's a bit of a legend, isn't she, Heger? Yeah, I mean, to be the most uh, cap player um, and then to be able to take our national side, you know, I think that's something that the players will definitely be looking, looking like obviously looking up to because um, she'll bring with her, I feel like I've said experience uh, so many times in this show, but she will, she'll bring with her so much experience and, um, you know, of obviously being in winning teams, being at World Cups and being in and around Jill Ellis in, in the USA squad as well. So for me, it's a, you know, it's a great appointment and, one that can only help and you know for it may be for a short period of time but I saw an interview that she she did um over the course of the last week and even she again spoke of lending those experience to to the young players coming through um and trying to instill that winning mentality in them even in such a short term uh, so I think you know it can only be a good appointment for England going forward it might be the next step that they need to start you know taking taking games to teams and actually winning games really going forward. And that is the key phrase, the winning mentality. And that's what the FA have done in their appointment of Serena Wiegmann, who comes in in September. And they almost needed, with Phil Neville leaving, and he brought you know that kind of mentality that he'd taken from, from Manchester United and England when he was a player, into the squad... There needed to be somebody that would be able to carry that on up until September. And this seems like a good fit. Um, it's interesting, Rich, because I was on um, our sister station Talk Sport on the Wednesday talking to uh, Simon Jordan and Jim White, who were questioning why an England, an English coach had not been brought through and taken this role and as I understand it no English coach actually applied because uh, the initial application was actually uh, to be Phil Neville's assistant um, coming up um, and then it was given to Hegarisa and Rianne Wilkinson um, former Canada international and actually I thought about it and I thought well uh, it doesn't have to be an English coach if they're not ready which I don't think the the coaches that are currently on the elite pathway are ready. We've lost two big coaches in Bev Priestman um, and Rianne Skinner. And then, of course, Mo Marley retired. So to me, getting somebody of this calibre makes sense. Absolutely. And I think, like you say, the fact that actually they were applying for the assistant role is the most critical part of this. You know, they were not applying to take Phil Neville's job they were applying to work with him and as we understand it Heger and, and Rianne were the two outstanding candidates for that role and obviously they've now both been put into into place to replace Phil during this interim period and I think they couldn't have stumbled upon better people you know two legends of the women's game as players you know but as coaches as well you know Rianne has coached the youth teams over in Canada Heger's CV as a coach speaks for itself the titles that she's won 
domestically in Norway. She's worked with the US national team. So it's exciting. It, it's a little bit of a shame as long as you get something so good, but you're not going to have it for so long. But obviously to have Serena coming in afterwards is, is equally exciting. And yeah, I just hope we have some games. Obviously we, we've struggled. We've not had a game for nearly a year now, but you know, if you're looking for two experienced heads, two really good coaches to guide a team, you know, through a, a period now before their new head coach comes in, you couldn't have found two better people. And I'd love for, I don't think Heger will be because she's taking a, a role up with the Norway Association in September. But, you know, for Rihanna, if she was to be involved with Serena's setup moving forward, I think that would be very exciting. I'll, I'll offer them to lead Team GB as well. I think everyone would be quite happy with that. So, I think the FA have done a great job in, in finding two really talented people and two icons of the women's game. Yeah, I've, I've heard she's a fantastic person and, and technically and tactically astute as well. And that Serena Wiegmann knows Hege. They were both on the FIFA best list, um, interestingly, which uh, Serena Wiegmann went on to win. So as I understand it, the coaching team for, for February for the Lionesses is going to be uh, Mark Mason as the goalkeeping coach, Ian Foster, who's with the men's under-19s at the moment, doing sessions on the grass with the players, and then Hege and, and Rianne as well. And the FA just kind of want to see how it goes uh, but it's quite an open process and then hopefully we'll actually get some friendly games that, that the players will be able to play but exciting times for the Lionesses uh, for sure you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Rothers alongside former Brighton defender Fern Whelan and Rich Laverty if you miss any of the show as I say every week you can find our podcast by downloading the TalkSport app and searching for Women's Football Weekly and next we're going to be rounding up the championship and shining our spotlight on new New Coventry United striker Georgia Stevens. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talksport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. I'm Faker Others and keeping you company with me is former Brighton defender Fern Whelan and Rich Laverty, women's football writer and of course media officer at Sheffield United, which leads me beautifully onto the championship. And I understand you were at Lewis. Uh, at the weekend, uh, Rich, you were 2-0 winners uh, against Lewis. How was the game? How are you looking for the season? You're third now, uh, seven points behind leaders Leicester. Yeah, it was good. Um, probably one of our best performances, really, given how solid and improved Lewis have been this season. You know, they drew with Durham down there a few weeks ago. They've drawn with Liverpool down there as well, so... I think for us to go down there and win 2-0 and, and have the chances we did was a real sign of where we're at. I think for us, we probably blew it a little bit before Christmas. We had a couple of draws at home, um, which were close games where we just didn't take our chances and, and that's probably hurt us a little bit. I think the seven-point gap, obviously Leicester have a game in hand. It's frustrating. I, I don't think myself and, and the players that I spoke to about it, I don't think we feel that kind of net 10 point gap is representative of where we've been um it's taken a while obviously neil came in in the summer and came in very late before the season started so it took a little bit of time but i think you're now seeing the product of what neil's putting in place the, the kind of football we're playing how solid we've been we've kept eight clean sheets in 14 games we only kept two last season um obviously wilco up front has been amazing again top scorer again at the moment you know she's looking good to win her a golden boot two years in a row and yeah look it's going to be hard to go up with where we are now but we're enjoying it it's a great great group this year 
Um, everyone's enjoying it. You know, there's a lot of smiles on faces at the moment. And six games to go, we just got to pick up what points we can. And if we're in there, you know, we're ahead of Liverpool at the moment, who are full time. So you know, for us as a part time team, I think that says it all about how well we're doing. Yeah, and smiles on faces is the most important thing. This is football. It's here to be enjoyed as well as getting results. Um, Durham were 1-0 winners over London Bees. Their second level on points with Leicester. But as Rich said, Leicester with a game in hand there. And London City beat Blackburn Rovers uh, 3-0. Uh, there was some Conti Cup action midweek as well. Chelsea beat Manchester City uh, 4-2 with some fantastic goals from Sophie Ingle and Neve Charles. West Ham were 3-0 winners over uh, second place Champions Championship side Durham, which means the semi finals are as this Bristol City against Leicester City and Chelsea against West Ham. 3rd of February, those fixtures. Very much looking forward uh, to that. Now, then, our spotlight uh, is back, and this time it's focusing on Georgia Stevens of Coventry United. She featured on BT Sports ultimate goal. Uh, She's a former Liverpool and Everton Academy player and spent some time playing in Iceland for top-tier club Tor KA. She's recently joined Coventry United in the Championship. Let's hear from her. I've been playing football pretty much. I'm very fortunate that I was a girl who was never turned away from football. So I've been playing pretty much since I, I could walk and I was in the team when I was about six and I was in Liverpool's academy when I was 10, um, switched over to Everton at 11 and I was there through till 16. Um, I got let go from Everton at 16, which kind of threw things into like a bit of a spiral and I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, and fortunately enough, I, I went to Blackburn first season, won top goal scorer, won the league with them. We got to the cup final against Tottenham. Um, I'm from there, made a few first team appearances and then made the switch over to Sheffield United um, under Carla Ward and it was the team that then got promoted to the Championship. So that was my first kind of taste of the Championship, I think was a Conti Cup game against Bristol for maybe a half. Um, But from there, I I then went on loan to Fylde, switched to Fylde, bounced again to Huddersfield who were in the, the National League, obviously. Um, and then lockdown kind of hit and the opportunity to go on a reality TV show called Ultimate Goal came up. And for me, it was never about getting on telly or anything. It was more, I was in lockdown, I wasn't training and this was a chance to train for two weeks nonstop at St. George's Park. Um, I took it up. I kind of was successful from it and got a contract in Iceland to play professionally. Um, and again, I returned home and I've now just signed for Coventry United in the Championship. And what was it like playing in in Iceland? It's a bit of a niche place to go that, you know, in in women's football terms as well. Lots of players go to Norway, lots of players go to Sweden, Germany, but it's not really somewhere that's known for for women's football. So what was it like going out there? What was your experience like there? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I got the call to to go there um, and it was a pretty, it had to be a fast turnaround. I had maybe three days to make a decision and pack up and go. Um, and I didn't know much about it at all. I, I Googled, but the, the one thing that kind of stuck in my mind was I knew Rachel Brown Finnis had gone when she was at Everton. She'd done like a, a season over and she had texted our producer and who, who was in contact with me and saw me out and said, you know, you'll really enjoy it. It's a great league, the real professional. And I thought, well, I'm getting that kind of reassurance from someone that I trust. And, and so I just kind of jumped in with both feet and, in the end of the day, it was a way for me to test. I found out, you know, the winner of the league 
guess to play in the Champions League. The team I played for had played against Wolfsburg a little over four years ago, and, and that's in like the round of 16 in the Champions League against, at the time, some of the world's best players. So I knew I, it was going to be a step up. I didn't think it would be such a big step up. It was certainly a bit of a culture shock, but for me, it, it was everything. It was, it was the perfect opportunity. And if anything, it's given me a platform to compare against to now. If, if something doesn't measure up to how it was over there, then it's not worth my time because there are opportunities out there to be treated and trained like a professional. Interesting stuff there from Georgia Stevens, Coventry United's new striker. I've been fortunate enough to, to meet Georgia. She's a really smart cookie, has some exciting ideas for the future of the game as well. So we wish her the best of luck. Coventry United in 10th in the championship at the moment. Right, our time is up. Uh, Fern, before you go, I just want to catch up with you and see what you've been what you've been up to. Barely spoken to you in the last five or six minutes, so apologies uh, for that. Obviously, uh, you, you left uh, Bryce and you're working on the physio team there I, I I understand yeah I managed to um, land a role as senior academy physio there so uh, I've been working with the men's under 23s uh, for this front since the start of the season um, so yeah it's all been it's been go 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 really been quite busy um, and then obviously I've just gone off now in the last week on maternity leave um, ah, when, and when are you due? Due. <laughs> due in April, so I had to be signed off early because of COVID reasons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm still working from home at the minute, but yeah, really excited. So due in April, so it's a lot of change at the moment, but all for the better. Oh, well, just an excuse for us to get you on as well. Another escape, <laughs> escape when you're going to be sleep deprived come, come April. So hopefully we shall <laughs> speak to you again soon on Women's Football Weekly. Thanks for joining us. Rich Laverty, always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Faye. Um, always happy to, to talk to you guys. Up the blades. Uh, right, next week, England's most capped player, Farrah Williams, is with us. It's her birthday today as well, so happy birthday, Farrah. Uh, but thanks to Fern Whelan, Rich Laverty, Georgia Stevens, and to all of you, as ever, for listening today. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our specials from last year, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.